of your host, Tyler Cass. We're back here for the Stanley Cup final. We are here. We have made it. And this is technically nearing the end of our, I guess, first season with the podcast. Because once these finals are over, the season is over. And we start a new season. So don't worry. We'll be sticking around even after the Stanley Cup final. Uh, draft is coming up, obviously. Free agency. We got a whole lot of stuff, uh, fun stuff planned for the summer. So make sure to stick around. Thank you for tuning in. First off, Tyler, how are you doing? How is the weather back in New York? It's been really nice out. Not a lot of rain, which is which is nice because I don't like the rain. And uh, sometimes it rains a lot here, but it's been nice. Um, not like one hundred ten degrees, but you know, like the eighties, which which is really nice. Yeah, so I can confirm per sources that it has been hot over here in Arizona. So yeah, that's it's pretty nice. But I mean, Tyler, obviously. We now have our Stanley Cup final. We know the two teams that will be competing for the Stanley Cup this upcoming Saturday. Uh, let's break down the series that they came from first. Um, the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. Let's start with the Eastern Conference Finals because that ended the earliest. Uh, so your Eastern Conference champion are the Florida Panthers sweeping the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, including some really, really tight games. It was a quick series, but a tight series. And uh, what did you think of the series as a whole, Tyler? Um, it was, like, okay, I guess. <laughs> but I, a lot of the games were close. Like, um, the, we had the four-overtime game. Yeah, it was four overtimes, right? Yeah. yeah. Almost- and then we had another – I think there was another overtime game. It was um, the next one after that. Because Tuchuk scored both of them. And then Bobrovsky had his huge, like, uh, what do you, shutout game. Um, so all the games were, were close. I think they were all one-goal games. But yeah, the Panthers yeah. were, would just, you know, one-up the Hurricanes. Like every time that Kane scored, the Panthers would answer back. The Canes were just never able to, to like, I feel like take leads in the series um, or sustain leads. Um and yeah, even though uh, all the games were were like tight, close games, you know that the Panthers were just too—I feel like too sound for the the Hurricanes to like just really take over any of the games. Yeah, absolutely. I hundred percent agree with you. Uh, I'll get into my thoughts when we go into the uh, the best uh, player from the series. Uh, in your opinion, who is the be- Who was the best player from the series? Um, I feel like there, there's two we can we can pick here. Um, yeah. I guess uh, I guess I'll go Bobrovsky just because, um, especially in that game, uh, the, there were there's honestly all the games you could pick out, but you know he stood on his head for overtime game. The Hurricanes would have like sixty something shots, um, and then he had that huge uh, game where the Panthers won one nothing, and that was game three, right? I believe so. Yeah, and he had a big, I think, like 30-something safe shutout there when he was really, really good. Um, so I think that um, as good as the other player was, who I think you're going to pick, um, I think that um, without Bobrovsky, I don't know if the Panthers win the series. Yeah, I think uh, we can both agree that Bobrovsky like, was insane and has been insane this whole entire playoff run. 
without him and the player that I'm about to mention, I feel like the Panthers wouldn't have gone out of round one. The player I'm obviously going to mention is Matthew Tuchuk. What a what a series for him! First off, five points in four games, and uh, four of those points were goals. So impressive by Tuchuk. Um. Yeah, that what an incredible. First off, he scored the OT winner in the first two games, and then he essentially scores the OT winner in in game four, where he scores with with four seconds remaining. Insane. He is a special player. I always knew it was, it was a risky trade when Calgary traded for him. Everyone was overreacting, saying Florida gave up too much. But I'm like, I'm over here saying. I don't know, man, because Matthew Chuck is a really good player. And it's just proving that under a different system that he is one of the brightest stars in the league. He's really helped this organization get back on the map, become relevant again. I mean, he's been on the TNT uh, desk for the NBA uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Like he's a big he's a big name now. He's he's also an Arizona legend, born Scottsdale. So that's awesome. And now he's up to 21 points in 16 games in these playoffs. Uh, We kind of critiqued him last series. You know, he wasn't as good as he was in the first series, but he was just explosive in the series. And I think that's one of the reasons why Florida won this. They could not, uh, Carolina could not contain Matthew Tuchuk. I mean, he scored the game-winning goal in three of the four games, proving that they could just not shut him down. And obviously the other reason they could not beat Bobrovsky at all. Bobrovsky was playing insane. But going on to who you thought the worst player in the series was, who do you think that belongs to? So hard to like nitpick one player. Like I feel like I could just pick the entire Hurricanes team because they were all like not very good. Um, but I, I mean, I feel like I have to go Natchez just because I don't know if it's necessarily the worst, just maybe the most disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel either him or him or Aho, but I would say Aho played solid. Like, you know, those are your two star guys and you really need them to step up and they just didn't, especially in this series. Um, did they just have a point the entire series? I know he didn't score a goal. I don't even know if he had a point the whole series. But I, um, I don't know, but this whole playoff run for him has not been that great. Yeah, you could pick him for the whole playoff run, but uh, just him especially. You know, he had a disappointing first two series. And, he you had know, one point. Yeah. Like he was a minus one in that game. So, um, you know, this was the time for him to step up uh, after two disappointing series, and he did not step up at all when they really, really needed him to. Yeah, I, I don't think you can necessarily call the whole Carolina team a disappointment because I really thought Freddie Anderson and Auntie, Auntie Ranta uh kept up with Bobrovsky I don't think you could blame the series on them at all especially with Anderson's run like he came out of a disappointing regular season really turned it around I think another one that you can't place the blame on is Jacob Slavin I still thought he played really well I think he's one of the best defensemen in this league because of his defensive plays which is what a defenseman does but for me I'm going to have to go with another defenseman for the worst player, and that is Brady Shea. He was awful in this series. He, he just kept giving up way too many uh, turnovers. I thought his defensive plays were horrendous. I think this whole playoff run has been really, really bad for him. He's minus two in this whole run. 
He did. He registered two points in the uh, last game of the series, but he was a minus one in the first two games. He was just really bad, and uh, it's it's kind of disappointing because Car- this is the third straight time Carolina has been swept in the Eastern Conference Finals, and you think this was probably their best shot. At the same time, they were missing Max Pacioretty. They were missing Andre Svechkov who really are the main potent like goal scorers of this team. But at the same time, you look at Marty Natchez to step up. You look at Tivo Teravainen to step up. And these two players really did not step up. And then defense, some of them did not help at all. The worst one was Brady Shea, in my opinion. Yeah, the, I think that the whole defense struggled. Um, uh, besides Slavin. Slavin was, was good, but besides that, I thought, just in general, Carolina's defense didn't really have a good series as a whole. Yeah, I thought Brent Burns, like the first two rounds, was spectacular. One of the best defensemen in the playoffs. But then he kind of returned to his old form where he would give a good defensive or offensive play, but then cost you a goal. And that's what I noticed in a couple of the OT goals is Burns was on the ice giving up that goal. Um so it kind of fell apart there. I mean, at that time, like after uh, Florida went up to nothing, you could see that Carolina was visibly done for Rod Brendamore. Like I agree with him, like him saying that we didn't get swept because technically, I mean, they played more than four games because they had a four OT game. They had another OT game. So that's how many games that's around uh, two and uh, more than a half games extra. So I agree with that. I would agree that it was the closest sweep ever or one of the closest sweeps ever. But if you're Carolina, you got to go back to the drawing board and you got to really target a highly offensive uh, player in this upcoming free agency. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think that um, even with Pacioretty and, and Spechnikov, you know, just that having those two guys would turn this the whole series around differently. Um, but, you know, that's the whole thing. You're going to deal with injuries. And the Hurricanes dealt with them in the first two rounds. But it, I think it really hurt them against the Panthers. Yeah, I agree. Let's move on to the Western Conference Finals, which we thought was going to end earlier, but ended yesterday uh, after a horrible game uh, by a team. Uh, your Western Conference uh, finalists are the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh winning the series against the Dallas Stars in six games. Tyler, your quick thoughts about the series? Um, the first, like, three games were not great. Um, there was the one overtime game in – or the two overtime games in Number Vegas. Two. But, but yeah, but it just felt like um, all, all of those games, it would just, like, flip-flop. Like, one period, Dallas would dominate the other two Vegas would dominate and especially in the two overtimes um they ended quick uh Dallas just came out flat both times in Vegas and it like as even though those were one goal overtime games it just felt like one team would be dominating like the whole the, the entire period and it would just flip-flop and then um I got a really interesting once the the stars came back because I thought the two games that the the stars won they were really good and I thought they were gaining a ton of momentum and I just don't get at home, you know, you could tie the series, bring it to a game seven, and the Stars just, in my opinion, played the worst game of their season. 
which is just awful. And, you know, it's hard. You know, you want to put a lot of that blame on the coaching, but it just looked like the players were just, like, done out there, which is – it sucked because it really looked like the Stars were gaining momentum, especially after Pavelski's huge overtime winner um, to win them a game, and then they had a big win going into Vegas and taking that game. You know, coming home with the chance to tie the series, bring it to a game seven, and they were just totally flat, which just cannot do that. Yeah, 100%. If you remove game three and game six from the series – you have a really good series, but game three and game six showed why Vegas won the series because their offense showed up and everyone showed up. If you look at games one and two, Dallas just did not have good overtimes. And Jake Onger was part of that problem. He And both, uh, and both OT goals, he was just way out of position and gave up really shitty goals. If you look in the uh, game five and game four, Dallas really showed that they belong here, that they belong to be closer to the Stanley Cup final than maybe most of us thought they would. But again, Vegas just showed they were the better coach team and the more dominant team uh, throughout the whole series. And I think by game six, you could tell that most of the Stars players, you know, were just done. They didn't want to win. And Dallas was horrendous at home, only winning one game in the series at home, the other being in Vegas. But Tyler, real quick, who was the best player in the series for you? Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the I think the unsung hero of of the trade deadline, Ivan Barbashev. I thought that um he's been really underrated these whole playoffs. I feel like there's a few guys from Vegas I could I could pick because I thought most of them had really, really strong series. But I think the whole the whole line with Barbashev on it was just clicking and he's just he's fitting so well with Vegas and I just like every time he was on the ice, I noticed him doing something. I thought he was great. Yeah, Barbashev was a great one. Uh, I really think uh, Mark Stone had a decent series. Um, I really want to go Aiden Hill because Aiden Hill really had a fantastic series. But I think I'm going to go William Carlson. Uh, there were a couple games where he was absent, but he was never a minus player in this in this whole series. He was a plus. And three out of the six games, and then zeros at the other ones. But he had a three-point night last night, which really put Vegas over the edge. Scored some very important goals in the series. But if I had to choose a really tight competitor, it would be Aiden Hill. He had a fantastic series. Um, Tyler, moving on to the worst player for you, who do you think was the worst player in the series? Um, I think that I'm going to go with Jamie Benn. Um just because he essentially cost them uh, game three, like, what was it, three minutes into the game, he took a major penalty and just, that like, killed all of Dallas's momentum, especially at home. And you looked at it, when he wasn't playing, Dallas looked like a much better team, 0-4 with him out of the lineup. And he's, you know, the captain. He's the guy that's supposed to, you know, take over, score in big moments, motivate the team. And it looked like they were more motivated when he wasn't on the ice. And, you know, as as a team, you know, that's not what you want to see. Um, especially getting him back after the suspension, I thought that would, like, jolt the, the lineup a little bit. You know, you get your captain back, two big wins. Um, you know, you could tie the series, go back to Vegas for game seven. And they got him back, and he just looked awful out there. And the team didn't did not even look good with him on the ice. They looked so much better without him, so. I go Ben. They lost every game 
Jamie Ben on their on their yeah. team. So uh I really want to go Tyler Sagan because especially on that contract, he was abysmal. There's no words to describe how terrible Tyler Sagan has been. Um, but I think a player has really arisen to take that spot. And his name is Ryan Suter, because Ryan Suter looked completely atrocious, like out there. He was so bad. There's a reason why he's never been to the conference finals before that. And that's because he, he was just so bad. Um, he was a minus two in, I believe that was, uh, what game was that? Uh, game four, I believe. And he was, he was, he just gave up so many terrible goals. It was, it was horrendous. And like when you have Miro Heisman on your team, and even when you have players like Ty, uh, Ty Delandra, who really, and Thomas Harley, who really broke out uh, in these playoffs. And then you have someone like Ryan Suter and comparing all these players to Ryan Suter. It's kind of bad. Like he was just so bad in these playoffs. And like, I, I, I questioned the signing by Dallas when they signed him to that three-year contract. I, I'm questioning it more. I think Dallas is really looking at uh, Sagan, Ben and Suter and are saying are kicking themselves because that's why they're in the cap situation that they're in. Don't know why Jim Neal keeps winning uh, GM of the year or is candidated for GM of the year because you look at these three signings and they've really hampered his team. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting, especially going into the offseason where Dallas goes because they have, you know, so much young uh, talent there who are going to need, you know, deals, especially Robertson, who he signed a deal, but it was like a bridge deal. So he's going to need a new contract in a few years, and then um, I still think that they have some some solid some solid prospects who are coming up, yeah. and you don't really want these guys who are getting older, um, guys like Ben who are kind of slowing down Sagan and give these massive contracts to be blocking them when when a lot of the younger guys are coming up. So I think it's interesting. I don't think they make any massive changes this offseason just because you know they they had a really good regular season, they had a good playoff run. Um, really two games cost them their their entire season so I don't yeah. think they make any massive changes but I think that it's something where you look at and like uh, if if a team is willing to you know take on Sagan or Ben's you know and maybe not their whole contract but some of it you know are you willing to retain some and get get um, a few million off the books um, I think that it's conversation that's going to be had internally with Dallas but you know these guys are both part of your leadership group. You know, they both had really, really good regular seasons. Um, and I just, you know, I think it's something Dallas could look into, but it's it's an off-season thing. I think we'll talk more to that when we look at uh, what teams' futures are and, like, their plans for the off-season. I mean, they got a lot of prospects coming into the system. Obviously, you have Wyatt Johnson, who uh, came in this year, this past season, and then – also, you have Logan Stinkoven, who's supposed to be the next big prospect for Dallas coming in probably next season. So you got a lot of uh, good prospects here. You just need to find out a way to get Ali Sagan, Jamie Ben, and Ryan Suter off your off your books. I mean, I think Ben's contract ends either this season or next season. Same with Suter. But I know Sagan has four more years on his contract. So 
we'll see what the stars do. We'll have a whole episode dedicated to uh, each division and our predictions uh, for what they're going to do in the offseason. So uh, we'll discuss more there. But like we said, these Stanley Cup finals, Florida and Vegas, what, what are you expecting out of this series, Tyler? Um, two unlikely heroes came through and are probably going to have to stay on their head again with Bobrovsky, who's been really bad in the regular season with the Panthers. And even the playoffs, he wasn't that great last year with the Panthers. And then you had Aiden Hill, who came in and has been outstanding. So I just think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a lot of uh, close games, some really, really great goaltending. And even though it's, like, two teams that I don't think a lot of people were picking to go to the finals, especially with Florida, but I think it'll turn into a, a really great finals matchup. Yeah, it's going to be a fun matchup. First off, the main fact is that neither Vegas or Florida have uh, won the Stanley Cup. So – uh, we're going to have a new Stanley Cup winner for the first time since 2019. Uh, that has never won a Stanley Cup in their history. Um, obviously, these are two non-traditional hockey markets. <laughs> obviously, Florida <laughs> is not a traditional market. Vegas, not a traditional market, desert market there. Um, both these teams have been to the Stanley Cup final once before. Vegas back in 2018. They got taken out by the Washington Capitals in five games um, in their expansion year. And then Florida, way back in 1993, they got swept by Colorado in the, the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, that was actually, sorry, that was 1996 when they went to the yeah, Finals. 1993 was when they, uh, when they first joined the league. So it's been a couple years since Vegas, and it's been a long time since Florida has been here before. As you mentioned, two very uh, unsung heroes in that. Bobrovsky, no one expected him to play like this again. And Aiden Hill, he was traded from San Jose uh, for a fourth-round pick to Vegas and was supposed to be the third or fourth-string backup behind Logan Thompson, behind Laurent Brassois. And then, I mean, if uh, Robin Leonard was in that, he would be number four. So these are some pretty unsung heroes Ah, man, this is going to be a fun, fun matchup. Either way, we're not getting Tampa, Colorado, Pittsburgh. We're not getting a team that has won consistently before. These are two teams. uh, Vegas obviously missing the playoffs last season, but they've had a really good uh, first five seasons. Um, And their owner did say they would win the Cup within six seasons of their existence. So we'll see if he keeps that up to bargain. And then Florida, who wasn't even supposed to make the playoffs this season, but got in because of sheer luck, facing the best team in NHL history, took them down in seven, took Toronto down in five, swept Carolina. They just keep getting better and better. And, I mean, we only need to go through the struggles of Florida. It's well documented how much of a gong show that organization has been up until recently. So, Tyler, let me ask you, who do you think – going to win the 2023 Stanley Cup Vegas Golden Knights or the Florida Panthers. All right. So, so what I, I, what I want and what I think is I think Vegas is going to win and I want Vegas is going to win. But 
I've picked against Florida in every single series, and they've won every single series. So I feel like I have to pick Florida now just because um, I do not – I want Vegas to win. And I, if I pick Vegas, I know Florida is going to win. So I'm picking the Panthers to win the Stanley Cup. So I dislike you for uh, saying all that because uh, I hate Vegas. Oh, man, see, if you had told me this matchup – like a couple weeks ago, I would have said you're nuts, at least for the Florida end. The Vegas end, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Vegas, you know, they they have the potential being here. Like, I'm not saying no one predicted them, like, but they were one of the uh, predictions for many. They no one predicted Pacific. Florida to be here. What? Vegas won the Pacific. They won the Pacific. You're correct. Yeah. And Florida wasn't even supposed to be here. They weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs. But here they are. I picked everyone against Florida except one time. And that one time was against Toronto. They took it down five. I chose Boston in the first round. And I chose Carolina in the third round. We're picking Florida again, baby. Florida Panthers winning their first ever Stanley Cup. Game seven. Matthew game winning goal. I'm calling it right now. Put it in the books. Florida in seven, but I do think Vegas has a very, very good chance. I think this will be Florida's toughest opponent uh, in their runs so far. I, I, I think this is Vegas's toughest opponent too, which is how the Stanley Cup final is supposed to work. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're tougher. They're way tougher than Dallas. They're extremely tougher than Winnipeg. I, I, I feel like Edmonton would be the only debatable one, but Florida Everyone keeps underwriting them and look how far they've gotten. But I got to ask you, Tyler, now that we're at this final stage, who do you think wins the Conn Smythe trophy in case of both teams? If, if Florida wins, it's just a toss up between Bobrovsky and the Chuck. If Bobrovsky keeps playing the way he does, he's going to win it. If Florida wins, if the Chuck has another unreal series where he keeps scoring game winners, like keeps up the points, he's going to win it. But if Florida wins, it's, it's one of those two guys. I can't see anybody else in Florida winning. What about Vegas? Vegas is tough. I think it's all going to be whoever has the best. Because there's a few guys on Vegas who I think can win it. Um, one of them being Eichel, who has his first ever playoff series, and he has just been unreal. But um, Eichel's supporting cast has all been great. Um, Marcheseau wasn't great against Winnipeg, but has really stepped up since then. Carlson just had a great series. Barbashev's had a great series. Um, even on the back end, I think guys like Theodore and Petrangelo have been really good. I don't think they'll win it, but um, you never know, especially if they have a great series. And then in, in net, if Aiden Hill continues, um, I mean, coming in, especially what he's done. The only thing is, I feel like it's hard to give it to a goalie who's only played in two rounds because he wasn't the, the guy there in the first two rounds. But he, you know, if, if he plays the way that he's been playing and, you know, is, is one of the big reasons Vegas wins it all then I think he could get it. So there's a lot of guys, but I'm going to pick go with Hill or Eichel. Either one of those two guys in Vegas ends up winning. Good choices. Uh, for Florida, I'm going to have to go like you said, either Matthew Tuchuk or Bobrovsky. Um, I think with Bobrovsky continues to play that he's had 
in the past couple of rounds, then he'll get it. But if Tuchuk scores game winner after game winner again, I believe he gets it. For Vegas, it's a little bit simpler. I'm going to go with Jack Eichel, although I think Mark Stone can have a good run at it. Uh, but I'm going at Eichel for Vegas. I think he's been spectacular. So we both chose Florida uh, for different reasons um, to win the Stanley Cup. We'll see if they do it. Fingers crossed, anyone but Vegas. But anyway, we have a couple other NHL news to get to. Um, two of them coaching hires and then just some minor news. Let's go on to the uh, coaching hires first. Um, so we'll start with Nashville. Nashville has fired the clown, John Heim, and has replaced him with Andrew Burnett. Obviously, he was the coach of Florida uh, last season, assistant coach for New Jersey this past season. He now steps into another head coaching job. And uh, the Eggman, Barry Trotz, hires his first ever coach as a GM. Tyler, your thoughts on the Nashville coaching change? I love this hire so much for, for Nashville. Um, and he's such a good offensive coach, Burnett. We saw that with Florida. We saw what he did in New Jersey. While he wasn't the main guy there, he was a big part of the whole turnaround in the season they had. And I think that putting him with a guy like Trotz, who is one of the best coaches, um, in, honestly, in NHL history, one of the best defensive coaches ever. Um, I think having Trotz as like a mentor there, a guy to guide Burnett. Um, Burnett with his offensive abilities and um, Trotz, I think he's going to put a great defensive team around him. I just think this is such a perfect situation for Burnett to become a good all-around coach. Not just a great offensive one, because we saw it with Florida. He can get the best out of any player offensively. Um, but I think their issue was, especially in the playoffs, was that was kind of it. You know, he didn't really have a system. It was just kind of like go out there, produce, produce, produce. And, you know, um, back-checking defense wasn't the main thing. I think putting him with Trotz, um, he'll find a way to bring out some great offensive um, abilities in all of their players. And they have some great, great offensive players there in Nashville. But I think Trotz will will help Burnett develop a system, develop a defensive game. And I think that Nashville's going to be really, really good next year. And there were only a couple points out of the playoffs, obviously, this year. Um, I do think Trotz is going to have a lot of influence over uh, Burnett. Andrew Burnett was a Nashville Predator at that point in time when he was in his playing days. So be interesting going back to Music City. I really do think Nashville is going to be really good next year. I think they could definitely challenge for a top three spot in the division, especially with a couple of other teams uh, I think are going to drop out. But we'll discuss that a little bit more in our uh, some upcoming episodes for the podcast. Um, the other coaching hire, this was a weird one for me, Spencer Kirby. Uh, being hired by the Washington Capitals. He was a Toronto Maple Leafs uh, assistant coach this past, the past couple of seasons. I believe he came up from the Hershey Bears at a point in time when he got hired by Toronto. So what do you think of this hire, Tyler? I really don't know, like, anything about the guy that they hired. Um, I know he was an assistant in Toronto for a few years, but I, I just like this because – I think it was a time for Washington to go with just a new, you know, young, fresh face. You know, they they tried going from within after Trotslup with Reardon. They tried bringing in a veteran guy who's coached a long time with La Violette, and both of them did not really work out. So I think it was time to just 
you know, go outside the organization, bring in a guy with no head coaching experience um, and a guy who's worked with some really, really good players, especially in Toronto. Um, I, I think that, and it's a move where, you know, if it doesn't work out, I think that uh, it's not the biggest deal ever, but I think if it does work out, you, they could have found a really, really good head coach. Um, so I, I just like this move because I think it was time for Washington, especially with the direction they're going to bring in a new younger guy. who was just a totally fresh face in the league. Yeah, I agree. I hundred percent agree with that. I think it was time for Washington to hire a new coach. However, it has backfired on them in the recent history. We think of Todd Reardon, obviously he was not the best with Washington um, but Pierre Laviolette, it wasn't working anymore in Washington. He needed to go. Sounds like he might be going to the Rangers, so who knows? But I, I like you said, not really – I don't really know a lot about this guy. I think he could really impact Washington in a good or bad way. Well, this is a thing we'll have to wait and see and see what, what goes on. But I forgot to ask you, do you think John Hines gets another coaching job in the league? Ooh. Like, in my opinion, he's not a good coach, but we've seen a lot of these guys. It's just a carousel, you know. Um, he's a guy that could probably get you a winning record, get you into the playoffs, but it's not. that's all he's going to do. Um, so I think that he, he finds a job somewhere, um, especially a team that just needs to get into the playoffs, like a Calgary um, could be interested in him. But he's another guy where he'll come in, He'll win you games for two, two years, three years, but then he's, you're just going to fire him again. Um, I think he, I don't know if he gets a job immediately, but, you know, I think in a year or two, um, I, I think he finds his way back into the league. And I think even if it's not as a head coach, he'll 100% get an assistant job. So. Yeah, I think he'll get AC somewhere. Um, but there are a couple jobs open. I mean, we got the Rangers. We have Calgary. We have probably Toronto because I believe whoever comes into that position is going to fire Sheldon Keefe. Um, there are some other openings too, obviously, um, all around the league. Um, so I think he eventually finds his way back. I don't know if it's as a head coach though. Uh, there are a couple other little notes that we have to mention. One is Kyle Acaposo getting resigned to a year deal extension by the Buffalo Sabres. Your thoughts on the El Caposo deal? Yeah. Um, that's just like, I expected that to happen. I mean, he's their captain. Um, he didn't get a huge deal. It's only one year. Um, I, I just think it's good. You know, he's a good leader there for a really, really young team. And his cap hit's not like detrimental or anything. So it's not going to really affect them, especially the Sabres who have a ton of cap space. Um so I, I don't think there's much, nothing much there. Um, just good veteran leadership for a young team coming back in. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's an Islanders legend right there, Kyle Acaposo is. He, 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 he is an Islander. He was great. Him, Tavares, Matt Molson, Vanek, Franz Nielsen. They were, they were a great core there. I love the post. That, that is a thing core. But, um, yeah, I mean, this was expected for Buffalo. I think they'll keep him until he decides to retire, and then they'll name someone like uh, – uh, what's his name? Uh, Alex Tuck. I don't know why I was blinking on Alex Tuck's name, but until he retires, and then they'll name Tuck captain. But I think – yeah, I think Darlene could be in consideration there also. 
It's also true, but I think I think uh, Tuck's love for Buffalo just yeah puts it there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I do think the Sabers are going to have a really good chance of making the playoffs next year. So we'll see if Ocposo can get into the playoffs for the first time. I believe since the Islanders made the playoffs uh, and way yeah. back they picked the Panthers, right? Yeah, that was the last time in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, final bit of news. The legend himself, Mikhail Bodker, has retired. Uh, he played uh, with the Arizona Coyotes, where you probably know him for his multiple OT games, uh, OT winner games uh, in the 2012 playoff run. He also played with the Colorado Avalanche, the San Jose Sharks, and the Ottawa Senators. Um, and he was, I believe he was in the Mike Hoffman trade, sending him to Ottawa from San Jose. Um, but Tyler, I mean, Mikhail Bodker, what a legend, right? And he really is a Sharks legend. He really is not. He, uh, Mikhail Bodker was a player that frustrated me because you saw his talent level in Arizona, especially in those playoff runs, but once he left Arizona, he was never able to reproduce that. He was a frustrating player. He was getting paid way too much. I was very happy when San Jose shipped him off. But all in all, uh, congrats on your retirement, Mikhail Bodker. Any other uh, thoughts on Mikhail Bodker? No. I mean, he, he was one of the – he's probably, like, one of the best um, playoff performers in Coyote's history. He might be the best. I mean – yeah, he's up there with Ray Whitney. Yeah. He's a yeah. Coyote playoff heroes. Um, and I believe we have only one more bit of news, and that's the uh, Canada winning the gold in the uh, in the tournament. I forgot what it's exactly called, but yeah, Germany came in second, and Latvia got bronze. Any thoughts on that, Tyler? Um. I'm not a big fan of like the whole tournament just because I feel like it'll be like we we've seen the tournaments with all of the the players going and all of the top end talent playing with and against each other. It's just so fun. I just feel like it's just like a downgraded version of of that whole thing. And while it's still, I thought some of the games are still fun to watch. It just you know it's not the same when like like the team players leading Team Canada are like Toffoli and like Sammy Blay. I mean. I love Toffoli, but like, but who knows if he would even crack that that team Canada with all the best players going there. So I mean, it's still a fun tournament. Um, still have some good players going, but I just think that um, the whole thing is just like like could be so much better if if they found a way to do it with including like all the NHL players with the top end talent from around the world. I actually don't mind it. Because I think it gives these players something to do, something to compete for when they don't make the Stanley Cup. Uh, we all know, you know, um, it's kind of tough becoming a player and uh, not getting anywhere close to the Stanley Cup. So this is kind of like a secondary prize competing for your country. I think it's cool. I think it brings a lot of cool storylines. Like, obviously, Tyler Toffoli captaining Canada to the, the gold medal. Uh, Adam Fantelli really having a great tournament there. Uh, Nico Sturm, San Jose Sharks legend and Stanley Cup champion, um, helping Germany get all the way to silver. I mean, look at the uh, 
look at the scene in Latvia. I mean, it's it's crazy. This is their first medal ever, and a bunch of people stormed the whole plaza. It's so cool to see. I think it's a some really cool storylines. As much as like you know that it would be cool to see like Sidney uh, Crosby there and other players there. That's what the Olympics are meant for. I feel like that's what that's meant for. And the the issue here is that the Olympics aren't hosting NHL players. And another thing is the NHL or the NHL has been talking about the World Cup of Hockey, and that could be very well a place of substitute for the Olympics. But this tournament, like I think you're hating on it because we don't get to see like the Olympics. We don't get to see the World Cup of Hockey with these NHL players anymore because it's been kind of atrocious, the relationship between all of those player people in the NHL. I think that's the main reason why you're hating on it. But I, I love it. I think it's another thing to watch, especially when you have one game uh, every two days like we've been having and like we're going to have this upcoming uh, weekend. So I, I don't know. I love it. It brings a lot of cool storylines too. Yeah, I mean – uh, I guess it also gives it gives players who don't usually get a chance to to play on like a huge stage like that to to have the chance. Um, and you know, some some players uh who you know might have struggled to to get a contract in the NHL or wherever they put on a good showing there, and you know they might get another look or something like that. Yeah, I mean, Milan uh, say and and a lot of there was a lot of cross ton of prospects there who were getting their first like real look playing with and against uh, NHL level players. Yeah, that's another good thing about it. But Milan Lucic was another great storyline. You saw him posing with his family afterwards. That he looked really happy, and that's good to see. I know he's been through a lot of uh, crap over his past couple of years ever since leaving Boston. Um, Sammy Blay was really good in this tournament. But anything else, Tyler? Anything else you you have to add? Uh, no. I mean, what? I mean, literally in a week we might know who who wins the Stanley Cup. Now we're already in the off season. So I mean, hopefully, uh, the the Stanley Cup Finals lasts decently long. But I mean. We'll see what happens. We're all, we're almost done. It's crazy. Yeah, almost done with this first season of the Desert Podcast. Wow, 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 wow! But that's going to do it for this episode. A bit shorter, but not a lot of news to talk about besides, obviously, the Florida Panthers, Vegas Golden Knights, Stanley Cup Final, and the little minor news. But in any case, you can find Tyler on Twitter at TylerCast underscore. You can find myself on Twitter, Chase Beardsley underscore. Go check out the recent stuff for the ASU Women's Hockey. A lot of interesting things coming out of that program. So if you are interested, make sure to go check that out. But that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Desert Ship Podcast. Make sure to tune into the Stanley Cup Final. It's on TNT, so it's not going to be insufferable like it is on ESPN. So that's going to be great. We're going to see Wayne Gretzky in Florida, hopefully. Fingers crossed. But anyway, like I said, that's going to do it for this episode of the Desert Ship Podcast. Hope you all have a great Stanley Cup Finals. We will see you all at the conclusion of the Stanley Cup Finals.